Hi, everybody, and welcome to another collective session from Tech Talk Travel, where... Uh, and I just need to turn this music off. There we go. Uh, we're streaming live today with uh, Pedro Calaco and Kip Shalambus from uh, Atlantis, the Palm Dubai, and Pedro Calaco, who is the CEO of Great Hotels and Guest Centric. Gentlemen, great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here. Thank you for the invite. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. So, uh, Pedro, we, we're, we're doing this session today um, as part of your Hotelier Pulse report uh, that uh, Guest Centric puts together. And this is a report that is derived from data that you collect from hoteliers, uh, real-time hoteliers that are a combination of your existing customer base as well as other, part, other hoteliers that uh, are contributing to that report. Uh, and Kip, uh, you're joining us as a hotelier representative uh, from Dubai today. It's great to have you here. Um, and so I'd really like to perhaps start, Pedro, with yourself. If you'd like to give uh, the audience a brief overview and, and, and rundown of the purpose of the report, why you started it, and what, what your intentions are with this. Because this is an ongoing uh, report, right? This isn't just yes. a one-off uh, one issue. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, well, um, thank you for, for the, the nice intro. Uh, basically, when uh, the pandemic started in, in March, obviously, we were very busy helping our hotel sort of shut down, put up messages about, you know, COVID safety and so on and so forth. Because what we do at Great Hotels is we help hotels, you know, um, position themselves, market themselves, mostly on the B2B channel. On the guest-centric side, we, we, we drive technology for for hotels, namely to help with their direct bookings, i.e. websites, booking engines, and so on and so forth. So in March, we were very busy um, sort of helping them out in March and April, but uh, but it was very clear from the, the get-go um, that we didn't have any visibility into, into what was going on. Um, and uh, and we wanted to, and, and talking to our customers, because people were talking to us a lot back then, and they still are, it, it was also very obvious that, that People didn't have good data, so we set out this this project that we call the Pulse Report in terms of collecting data that will help people make better decisions. Um, and it's really about two things. One is the sentiment of the industry, and that's where sort of the the primary data from from hoteliers comes in, where we ask them, you know, what are your expectations? What are you seeing in your markets, and so on and so forth. So a little bit trying to figure out, you know, are things getting better? Are things getting worse? Are people optimistic or pessimistic? And then we complemented that with uh, with some hard data that we see through our through our CRS. So we collect, you know, um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of of, of 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 room nights, and and we have mostly data from Western Europe and, and North America. But we also can see that that data correlates well with what's happening in the market, and therefore we put it in a nice format so that people can look at it. Initially, we did it every couple of weeks because we really didn't know what was going on, right? Uh, and then I think in uh, in uh, in July, August, we we moved to a monthly report, and I think it's it's useful if you want to know what's going on. Yeah, excellent. So I think we'd also like to encourage the opportunity to let uh, any hoteliers that might be watching this now today that they are also very welcome to contribute to future reports if they're willing to share their information and give us or give you an update in terms of how they're traveling during this uh, challenging time. And, and we really are facing some difficult times at the moment. 
Absolutely, and it's uh, it's the time to share, right? I think uh, we should put our competition behind us. Now it's the time to get together as an industry and see how we can overcome this because it's obviously uh, probably the most challenging uh, that there's been in the history of this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. And Kip, you're joining us from Dubai today. So it's lovely to have you here and it's lovely to meet you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, how's things in Dubai? What's the current status there and what's the situation there? I believe that you... Uh, uh, we're, we're attending a, a, a meeting today from the, uh, the, the industry board of hospitality leaders. So what was the outcome of that? Were there any diamonds or gems that you can share with the audience on uh, any uh, p p potential <laughs> potential light at the end of the tunnel? Well, certainly it's, um, it's always a pleasure to uh, join such professionals like yourselves and also indeed to um, to have the opportunity, it was quite coincidental that uh, there are certain times of the year where we get together as hoteliers and certainly have uh, and hear the latest from our authorities. And um, it was wonderful to hear that today. I think most the most wonderful thing that we uh, that we have here in the uh, here in the destination is first and foremost that Dubai is uh, is very much open. Um, the airport, the destination, um, the resorts, the hotels. Um, and uh, many of the experiences are all very much open here at uh, here in the destination. Um, and certainly, as we've seen with our um, with our Dubai tourism strategies, we have seen um, going from a, a various stages of um, at the beginning of the pandemic. It was certainly the message was, you know, ready when you are. Um, and that's really moved into a message of living your story and certainly coming to Dubai and experiencing everything there is to offer here in the destination. Um, so it was great to see uh, this morning the, that evolution of the, of the message to market and how that's changing over time. Um, I think certainly also as we've, as we've seen in many resorts and destinations around the world, the, uh, the highest level of health and sanitation being kept throughout the destination and of course even from um, from an airline perspective, we're very pleased to see um, our um, Emirates airline bringing guests in from over, I think it's over 160 destinations now, and over 80 countries around the world are actually coming into the destination. Um, and we see that um, continuing. Um, we see that uh, having positive steps. Of course, it all remains very uncertain, of course. And um, these are all based on assumptions and it's all based on things going in the right direction. Um, so uh, we hope that we don't expect the unexpected, but certainly we remain extremely positive. Um, and certainly hearing our, um, hearing um, Issam Kassim this morning, our Chief Executive Officer of the Dubai uh, Corporation uh, for Tourism and Commerce Marketing or the Dubai or the DTCM, it was really encouraging to hear how the destination um, and all of the hoteliers were coming together, all of the destination management companies were coming together and really delivering on um, welcoming the guests back to the destination with Dubai being an extremely important hub to the rest of the world. I think the majority of the world is accessible within, uh, I think it's over just over eight hours, I believe. Um, so it's, uh, it's a real yeah. important uh, factor to have that. Yeah, yeah, that's promising. What you're saying there—that that so much travel is actually still coming in. So that that is a good sign. That's that is positive to hear. 
Okay, excellent, Pedro. I'm going to bring up now into the stream um, the report, the latest report from yeah. uh, your uh, your Pulse report. So why don't we start with um, you giving us a, a bit of a brief on what we have here and 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 uh, what you'd like to explain to the audience. Sure. Uh, you know, it's so encouraging to hear Kip talking about you know an open destination because what we're seeing in the report is. And you can see there, right? So the report goes from the week of May 3rd to the week of October 31st. And actually we saw sort of a, a small opening. So the red line is the amount of hotels that are in complete shutdown. And we saw a small, you know, sort of a slow opening up through the end of June, but then a very fast opening uh, of hotels around uh, the region, i.e. mostly in Europe and North America, as I said, that this data represents. Um, but actually what we've seen also is that uh, more travel restrictions are being put in place in Europe. Um, America is still, um, you know, ups and downs. And we are seeing actually that the sentiment is, is weakening, that um, pessimism is setting in. And actually, you know, um, we are setting in for a very difficult winter. At least that's, that's what we're looking at um, from our perspective. Also, if you look at from a, a book night's perspective, um, this is, uh, so what you see here is the, the, the light blue line is last year. And then the, 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 the blue, the dark blue line is, is this year. This is the same star comparison. And you can see here that, you know, we have that big, big drop those couple of weeks in May. And that was actually compounded by lots of cancellations. So these are not net, net bookings. These are gross bookings. We saw that we had like six weeks of bottom out and then a quick uh, run up in June that went up to about 50% of 2019. And that has now um, severely degraded. Uh, we've seen a, a little bit of a pickup in the last couple of weeks, uh, but but truly uh, things are not looking good for, I would say, for the next six months. And and this data, Pedro, this is collated from which region specifically? Is this the European so, so, region? Yeah, this is Europe and North America combined. Okay, okay. So the spike uh, in the middle there is perhaps due to summer, uh, because I think domestically anyway, a lot of people still actually did okay during summer. There was just a lot of domestic travel more than anything. Yes, exactly. And, and this data, this, this also sort of tells the same story. If you look there, this is a, a straight timeline where you can see the, the booking pace in 2019 and then in 2020. Yeah. And uh, 2019 started at 77 days and ended up at about 30 days. Uh, 2020 and started at 51 days, then, you know, it declined to a more normal pattern. Then obviously the lockdowns went into place and people were rebooking for 66 months out and stuff like that. We had a really good summer because people were booking, you know, very short term, 16 days, as you see there. But mm -hmm. now as, you know, the lockdowns and the travel restrictions come in place, we are again seeing a spike in pace, i.e. people are booking for two, three months in advance. And therefore, that's the reason why we are a bit pessimistic on what's going to happen through the winter. Yeah, indeed. I think now uh, with winter coming into the Europe side of things, it's going to be a little challenging, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kip uh, from... uh, uh, Andre, just, I just want to jump on, on that point, which is, so uh, I'm worried that people are going to be very pessimistic because as you, you know, um, I don't know if you know this, but the January through March are typically where most bookings happen in Europe and in North America, uh, and it's bookings for future dates. Now, obviously, I think this year that's not going to happen, right? Because as the lockdowns are in place, 
even if, if travel restrictions are, are lifted a little bit, um, I, I'm, I would like to tell, tell what we is to not, not to panic, right? You yep. see that actually we had a reasonable summer because the, the booking pace shortened dramatically. Now this creates a lot of anxiety because obviously you don't have any visibility into what's coming in and it's all last minute and people are very anxious, but you know, let's be optimistic. Let's think that the vaccine is coming. Um, there's a lot of pent up demand in all the conversations that we have with consumers. People want to travel. Um, and and like, like Kip was saying, Emirates is doing a tremendous job in terms of making sure that people can jump on planes and feel safe. So 2021 is gonna be difficult in the beginning, but I think we're gonna see a lot of last minute bookings that hopefully are gonna make up for a bit of what we're gonna lose in January to March. Yeah, yeah. Kip, do you have any comments to, that, that you'd like to add to that that you've seen so far? I think the data that's been presented is not that dissimilar to what we're seeing in the trends here in uh, in the UAE. I certainly think that the, the local market has been um, a market that we have very much relied on, um, certainly over the last six months. And we've seen uh, the local United Arab Emirates market really engaging with its uh, local resorts, local hotels. So that has that has remained. And as we go into um, this coming weekend, um, the National Day holidays, uh, which are over the first, second, first and second of December, we we really see the um, the spike in occupancies as well over that holiday period. Um, and then we uh, we certainly see that uh, that that demand that came in in uh, in the summer. When the schools were closed, the holidays uh, during July and August, there was a there was a tremendous um, opportunity for us in, in August, especially um, where we saw the some international consumers as well coming in. As July was, I think it was around July the seventh when Dubai really did open its doors again. So again, you had that pent up demand that sort of travelled towards the third week of July and into August. So we saw that spike, um, and then looking ahead. I think we, uh, you know, absolute peaks and troughs in terms of where we see that demand, that short-term demand going into. And it's not just local market that's perhaps booking in the short lead. It's it's really the international traveler as well that, uh, that you know, if all it takes is some, some new news to come out on certain restrictions being lifted or certain airlines starting to fly to the destination, and you really do see the pickup, especially at such an iconic destination resort, such as Lat such as at Atlantis, where uh, we we definitely see that pickup. Yeah, um, both last minute, but also still, um, Andre. You know, we are still seeing very very good pickup uh, coming into May to September next year. That may be a case of people perhaps moving bookings to next year as well. So there is perhaps maybe an element of that. But um, I think definitely people are looking, booking to look forward to something as well in the future. Yeah, absolutely. One of the questions that I wanted to actually put to, to you was really about flight capacity. In many ways, you already answered it um, at the beginning. But I, I kind of just wanted to also check, and maybe Pedro, you might have some data to, to, to comment as well. But would you say that, um, you know, flight, flight capacity is obviously becoming an increasingly relevant concern for hoteliers around the world? Um, would you say that, I mean, based on what you said before, this doesn't sound like that's top of mind for the industry in your region, Kip, is that accurate? And, and if so, um, 
Why? I think the <laughs> I think the destinations and certainly the countries that the airlines are flying to, um, there may be a certain number of flights that they start off with, and then the flight capacities will increase as the demand increases. So it's great to see that the that the choice is there and that the, that the spread of destinations are available for the incoming and outgoing tourists, but then the capacities are encouragingly increasing week on week. So we see cities such as Moscow going from perhaps a few flights a week to um, a few flights a day. So that's really yeah. encouraging to see destinations like that. So that's the difference that it has uh, yeah. and the impact it has. Okay, great. Also, just a quick, sorry, Pedro, before you jump in, I also wanted to just make a, a mention to all those folks tuning in and watching. If you do have any questions or commentary that you'd like to leave, please do so in the comments and we'll see them and we'll bring them into the conversation for Pedro and for Kip as well. So, uh, Pedro, over to you. On, on, I think you're making an excellent point. And, 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 and uh, you know, it's interesting how we saw this because uh, when this whole thing started, obviously the first concern was health and safety. And we saw that steadily declining over the course of the period that we're analyzing here, right, since, since May. And, and actually, um, on the week of October 31st, it was the first time that the biggest concern that people have i.e. hoteliers have in terms of their business now is flight capacity. And that has been sort of steady. It hasn't increased in importance. It's just that really, you know, the cleanliness and the safety issues have come down. And I think Kip made also a very interesting point on, on, on local offers and the local market. And, and we saw that actually during the course of the summer, the segment that probably did best was the resorts because they, they were able to tap on, on year markets. And what we've seen is that uh, when we started this, I think um, that put a special cleaning program in place, which is on force now on this on this um, on the slide was was number one by far with over 70 percent. It's now number four in terms of in terms of uh, hoteliers top of mind and their top of mind is how can I create special offers and packages to incentivize people to book? Right. How can I have new sales and marketing strategies to attract guests? And actually number three now, and that was a big, big jump from last month to this month, is to shape offers and incentives around the local market. Because of this, you know, travel restrictions are on, they're off again, they're on, they're off again. People will have to rely a little bit more on the domestic uh, market um, than probably they anticipated at the beginning of this crisis. Yeah, yeah. Which actually, it's another good question for Kip. Now, obviously, Kip, you're VP of Sales and Marketing for Atlantis, where you are. Um, are you finding that hoteliers are prioritizing new sales and marketing strategies to reach your local, like for example, local markets? And what exactly are you doing as a hotelier in this regard yourself? Absolutely. One of the key strategies was to heavily engage with the local market, especially um, for the staycations and also the food and beverage outlets. Here at Atlantis the Palm, we have over 27 restaurants, bars and lounges. So that's a lot of seats to fill, even with the, uh, the social or, or the physical distancing. So what we did was one of the key strategies was that we launched um, a program called Atlantis Circle, which was a, a loyalty program to the local community of the United Arab Emirates. Um, anybody with uh, the local uh, phone number or SIM card could avail from this. And it was um, a loyalty program where Initially, as soon as, you as soon as you sign up, you get the instant 15% um, discount on all of the food and beverage outlets at the resort. And then as you're spending, 
that percentage discount increases. In addition to that, the loyalty program offers opportunity for us to have private events and invite, um, invite those loyalty guests. And just in a few months, the memberships has gone into the, let me just check my numbers here, uh, tens of thousands actually, um, members already in wow. the first few months of membership. And that's a prime example of kind of pivoting and looking at perhaps, you know, our business um, relies on the international market here as a leisure destination. So it's kind of pivoting and looking at how we can influence that, that local market. Um, I think also another point, Andre, uh, that we looked at was um, looking at how we um, how we redefine and sort of uh, reimagine our product. And Atlantis the Palm um, is a product that did open in 2008 um, and is now, um, it's reached its 12th year. Um, we celebrated that in September, uh, September this year. So um, it's how, how and what can we enhance at the resort and use the quiet opportunities to enhance the areas around the resort um, mm. and we completely refurbished some restaurants. We, uh, we're currently completely refurbishing um, conference our conference center as well of over 5,000 square meters. So, you know, really getting ready to, um, uh, well, perhaps we're already open, of course, but, um, you know, welcoming back our festive guests or our guests in the holidays in Q1. Um, and they'll see the differences here at the resorts. So that's another strategy that we've used uh, yeah. from an operational perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off there, Kip, but it's good that you mentioned that because Christelle uh, from London says hello. And she's also asked the question, are hoteliers taking the current low booking situation as an opportunity to refurbish or re renovate their hotels? Um, now, you just mentioned that, Kip, that you have taken that approach. Uh, Pedro, from your side, you have a lot to do with hotels yourself, you know, obviously with great hotels of the world, and um, you very much uh, speak regularly with hoteliers. Are you hearing a similar type of story? Are, are people that you're speaking to also taking the opportunity, or are they are they being cautious? Yes, I, I, a few are. I, I would say that the majority is not because they're so stressed with capital needs, and uh, but people that had already planned to, you know, do some refurbs in the near future. They have anticipated those. Um, so, so clearly, the the sort of the better capitalized hotel companies are doing that, and and independent hotels, the ones that are struggling right now, obviously don't really have the cash flow to go do that. I think the other thing that is also interesting is that we 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 have seen that most hoteliers have become a lot more agile in terms of their rate strategies because everybody, you know, the, times were good. Everybody was banking on non-refundable rates and getting the cash in before the guests were in and so on and so forth right and obviously the world has changed and it will stay changed for a while and what we're seeing is that people are adapting so the first thing is they did eliminate or sort of did not push the non-refundable rates because obviously non-refundable doesn't make much sense unless it's for tomorrow right uh, the second thing that we saw was as people saw that the booking pace was getting shorter they started doing last minute deals which were very effective in the summer. And now what we're recommending our hotels is the booking phase is again getting longer. So do early booking deals, right? Make sure that you get those really? people in 
to book now with great flexible, uh, you know, cancellation uh, policies so that you can, you know, capitalize on some of the bookings because even in the darkest days of March and April where very few bookings were coming in and a lot of cancellations, there was no day that we went through without any booking. So yeah. bookings are still flowing. They are obviously not the volumes that we would like them to be, but they're still flowing and we need to create the confidence in consumers to truly, you know, book. And if you do an early booking deal, if you give people flexible cancellation policies, even if it's not a full refund, but you can say, hey, you can rebook for whatever you want over the course of one year, then, then you know, you're going to get some consumers to book. Yeah, yeah. We also have another question from Daniel Simmons. It um, might be the best one for you to answer, Kip. And his question is, what's the biggest market for Dubai? Wow. Um, the biggest market for, the, for Dubai um, fluctuates slightly between uh, the United Kingdom um, and also India. Um, so at the moment, um, the key markets, I've just got it here, have varied slightly. Uh, we've seen a lot of the regional markets increasing or those markets that have been um, open. So um, India, Pakistan, Egypt are strong in the, in the, in the, in the top end. Uh, but certainly those international markets still are those further afield markets such as um, the US, Russia and uh, the UK remain strong too in the top five. Okay, excellent. Excellent. And I see, Pedro, you're scrolling through your report there. Is there any uh, other material that you can uh, uh, discuss the markets as well? No, uh, uh, this is just uh, exemplifying here how, you know, the, the local markets uh, are, are gaining in importance. And I think uh, what Kip was saying in terms of, you know, make sure, you know, that you bundle, you know, local, um, local uh, food and beverage options. We have a very interesting uh, customer in Lisbon. Uh, called Memo, and they were launching the new menu for their uh, for their hotel. And in Lisbon, currently, there's a lockdown on weekends that at 1 p.m. you're not supposed to be on the streets. So they created a, a package of saying, "Hey, come come taste our experience, come taste our new menu, and stay for the night." Right. So they were actually selling the the F and B and offering the lodging piece. So so I think that there's if you're creative, if you think about you know your local consumers and what they are they looking for because people are fed up of being at home right people are yeah. fed up of not be going out not doing the stuff that they used to do uh, yeah. so try to come up with some creative ideas of how to do this yeah yeah but i i, I think it is very challenging though isn't it given the circumstances it is uh, very challenging i mean it's i mean i say this obviously we are all remaining optimistic and positive but i think uh trying to uh continue that that outlook when when there doesn't just seem to be a bottom at this stage. And, and if there is a bottom, it seems to be very unstable. It, it, it comes and it goes in terms of how, how, well, how stable it ultimately could be for us to start to rebuild again. Um, and I think this is perhaps a, a real moment in our history as an industry, just like any industry really, where we're really uh, being tested in terms of not only resiliency, but our ability to adapt almost on an hourly basis, really. Yeah, no doubt. And, and the only other point that I would like to make is this is the evolution of, of, of direct bookings in terms of the percentage of the different direct channels that people have. And 2020 has truly been the, the, the year of mobile, right? Yeah. So if you look at the bookings that we process, 
Last year, we had about 17.4% coming through the mobile, the mobile booking engine, so to say, versus 70-odd yeah. percent through the, through the desktop booking engine. This year, it has jumped up to 23.7. So it jumped six points, which is just tremendous. So making sure that you have a good mobile strategy and mobile, again, is also very related to local. So make sure you have a good mobile strategy, have a good, you know, you have good content in your local language because that's going to drive also some bookings. Yeah. Got a question from Mark uh, Fancourt. He's asking if you're seeing any impact around the initiative for workation or stay to work. We are indeed, yes. It's another initiative that uh, we're proud to say that Dubai Tourism has launched just recently, um, which is the uh, the virtual working program. So, um, and there's further information available online with that on the Visit Dubai uh, websites, but they definitely are, and we are all encouraging, um, and it's a government initiative to uh, bring uh, individuals or even families or individuals with their families over to the destination to work from the destination so it's very much a virtual working program um, I, I believe also there are some virtual office space available um, or office space available in certain areas that can be worked uh, virtually um, in addition to that I believe that there are some uh, some distant some resorts and hotels that are being part of the program to offer some uh, long stay rates. So I think it's that we're also part of that program, offering yeah. um, offers minimum 30 nights, et cetera, plus uh, other benefits surrounding that. So it's a great opportunity to, to welcome those guests. Indeed. We are not seeing much of a staycation yet on our, on our you know, the properties that we work with. I, I do believe that it is sort of an opportunity in the, in the in the higher end, the larger hotels that have really good business facilities, like you know uh, Atlantis, the Palm, and Dubai, and some of the other members of great hotels of the world. That because I think what's what's really sort of scary for the larger hotels is that the mice business and the corporate business sort of went away, and people are are struggling to look for alternative ways to fill their hotels. And I do believe that offering you know business facilities to local guests. Could potentially you know work and we've seen a few of our hotels actually converting um, rooms into offices and stuff like that because at least there you know you're safe because obviously all the cleaning protocols and the safety protocols that happen at hotels are, are were already very stringent before the pandemic they're now even more stringent so they're safe places to go work yeah yeah follow-up question from mark for you kip is there anything special you've done with product and service specifically for these types of guests it's a good question. Yeah, absolutely. We have, um, as I mentioned, the Atlanta Circle. So we instantly enroll those guests that are coming over. SIM cards are available here, complimentary in the resort. So we offer that to the guests and then we enroll them in the Atlanta Circle. So they instantly get discounts on food and beverage. We also have dedicated office space available in resorts, um, as well as uh, percentage discounts up to 30% on laundry in-house. So guests can stay with uh, with certain discounts there. We also offer um, car hire um, deals as well. So, so up to 30 to 40% off on the local car hire that we can arrange for the guests. So it's trying to make it as easy as possible. Of course, complimentary Wi-Fi is a given, is a given these days. So uh, <laughs> that's certainly something uh, 
um, that's certainly something that we that we extend as well. So making them as comfortable as comfortable as possible, especially if they're bringing the family. You know, we've got a, a, an incredible water park for the family, so that's something that they can uh, they brilliant. can they can they can use as well. Brilliant, brilliant, uh, Pedro. Do you have any data as well that you could share in terms of recovery? Because I I think there might be some. Um, different different opinions in terms of when things will start to bounce back and sure. based um, on let me market. see if i can find that give me one sec here i think it's while you're looking for that there's another question yeah. from mark for kip perhaps um his comment is interesting is there any thoughts on this as a demographic post covid are uh, the demographics post covid we have seen Where of course this? the for us um, a heavier emphasis on the Middle East market, um, that closer to home uh, business, um, and also um, a higher em emphasis on the UAE market itself going into 2021. Mm -hmm. um, we're very fortunate to have had some great news recently with the, um, with the agreement uh, between the United Arab Emirates and Israel. So there is um, a tourism and political agreement between the two nations which has been welcomed fantastically well. Um, and I believe as of, to, as of today, the 26th, there are passenger flights from Tel Aviv into, um, into Dubai, so that uh, with Fly Dubai. Um, so that gives us a great opportunity to, yes, try and hold on to that existing source market, but also extend the hand and welcome guests from a brand new market which uh, in, in, this, uh, in this current situation is, is quite unusual. So that's yeah, something that we are very much looking forward to. Brilliant. And then just before we get onto your chart there, Pedro, I might just get one more question in from Christelle. It's great that we're getting so much, so much feedback. Thank you, everybody, for, for doing so. Um, the question here is, do you receive more clients that are looking to work from hotel rather than work from home? Guests that stay for longer periods of time and use the hotels as temporary offices. I think, uh, again, that could be a market-dependent thing. But, Pedro, what are you seeing around that? We, we, so we are seeing a lot of hotels trying to do the incentive for long stays, so, so to say, sort of a short-term rental of, of, a, of a hotel room, if you will. Um, I think the jury is still out on that. I think the travel restrictions and the movement restrictions with you know complete lockdowns and so on are really making it very difficult for any of these trends yeah. to pick up. Um, so I think people are experimenting, as, as I was saying earlier, right? People are more agile and they're more willing to experiment with stuff because at the end of the day, the rooms are there, the staff is there, everything is, is clean and safe, right? But, uh, but I think it's hard to get traction because of this up and down, the seesaw of restrictions that's happening. And therefore, you may have a really good idea, but if you launch it just before a lockdown, you're not going to have any data then that's relevant to see was it a good idea or was it not a good idea because you just don't get the traction. Mm, mm, uh, all, going back to your earlier issue of, of recovery, mm. this is what we've seen to date, right? That a lot of the hoteliers, uh, sort of around 60% thought that in 2021 they would recover to the same financial position as 2019. However, as we're trending towards the end of the year and there's less months um, coming ahead that that are gonna be able to make up and people are now facing a January through March, really difficult months, you know, probably similar to June of 2021. Um, people are, you know, there's been a, an inversion of tendency and people are now saying, okay, no, only in 2022 will we get back to the 
same financial position as 2019. I think sort of the silver lining on, on this data is that increasingly people have said, less people have said that only in 2023 are, are they going to get to 2019. So people are also getting more realistic because they're getting data, right? And I just want to go back to the initial point, which is we need to share data with our with our fellow hook VAs because the more data we have, the better we can plan. And at the end of the day, the destinations only work if there's a strong industry, both in you know hotels, but also I worry about restaurants and bars that yeah. are probably not going to make it through um, this crisis. And that's going to damage the destination. Now, obviously, the Atlantis the Palm is very fortunate that it's a destination in itself, right? But many of the hotels we work with are smaller independent hotels, and they really need a thriving economy around them so that people will come to the destination. So, And that's why I think it's important to incentivize this local business, the F&B, so that we don't lose all of that. And then, and then you know, there's going to be less um, reasons for people to travel, and we don't want that to happen. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and as you know, Pedro, we were talking about that before going live, you know, the impact that this is having now. I mean, here in Germany, we've got our second uh, lockdown and, and it's it's getting tighter. They've just uh, announced yesterday tighter rules. That it's look, looking like it won't open until January. So a lot of local area, businesses are going to suffer because of that. And it's, it's, it's a real shame. Um, okay. We're coming towards the end of the broadcast, but I do have one other question, which I think is an interesting one for Kip, and we'll come back to you, Pedro, as well. Um, you, you have a very large property, Kip. Have you taken, actually, it's from Mark. I'll pop it up on the screen so that you can see it as well. Have you taken a closure of floors and wings and perhaps the opportunity for deep cleaning and or refresh projects during, during the time that it's been slow? Uh, we haven't actually uh, closed any of the resorts during the process, but we definitely did a huge amount of uh, deeper cleaning um, around the entire resort. We uh, and uh, we completed a lot of the things that you know some of those projects that have been there pending for a while that we perhaps hadn't got round to. So it was a great opportunity to do that, um, especially on some floors that were in some of the areas of the resort that were particularly busy. So absolutely, it was a great opportunity. And even yeah. to overhaul an entire restaurant, Saffron, um, our main buffet restaurant here that takes up to 600 people has been closed for the last uh, few months. So we took a great opportunity to do uh, a refurbishment of that, of that restaurant as well as the conference facilities, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, there's another question here, which I think if I understand correctly is about... Uh, accepting people with uh, who have been vaccinated or those that have not. Um, now that we are seeing news of a vaccine coming out, uh, this is an interesting point. Uh, Qantas's CEO himself just said the other day that uh, unless you've got the vaccine, you're not allowed on the aircraft if it's got a Qantas kangaroo on it. Um, I thought that was a rather brave thing to say at this point in time. Um, I'm, not <laughs> and, sure if I, I'm not sure if that's legal, right? <laughs> right, right. And I'm not really sure if I agree with it. But um, I think it's, um, it's it, it also raises an interesting point and the question from Bernard as well. Do you think that hotels may also put in a, it's a horrible way of describing it, but a class structure based on whether or not people have had vaccines or people that have not? Kip, what are your uh, thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Pedro, please. Yeah, no, I, so I, I think for most hotels, right, if you think that the average hotel size is probably 60 rooms, I think that makes very little sense, right? For the larger hotels, they could potentially do it. 
Um, I doubt that it's going to be enforceable, to be very honest. I don't know yeah. what legal basis you could have to say, no, you can't go there. You can go there and show me your vaccination. And is it valid? I, I just think that that's going to be a bit of a nightmare to, 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 to manage. Um, I don't know, Kip, what do you think? Well, I think the situation that we currently have is with the testing that's going on um, on arrival at the Dubai airport. Um, and it's very closely tracked and monitored in terms of the positive results and those guests being managed um, after uh, six to 12 hours after arrival. So we manage that um, at the moment. And also, of course, um, uh, Emirates Airlines came out with a COVID cover um, for those guests who are um, traveling on Emirates and um, happen to contract the virus when they are traveling, then Emirates covers the cost of their medical bills, of their um, of the cost of the hotel stays. So it's messages like that that I think that we need to be uh, promoting and ensuring that our guests feel comfortable and removing as many barriers as possible. Uh, but right at this stage, I don't think we can we can make a decision or comment on that at this moment. Yeah. But I would certainly focus on the, what we can manage and what we can um, impact at this stage. Yeah. Okay, great. Another quick question for you is, uh, what are your concerns about the price, the evolution of price? Most hotels are lowering their prices, but will the, will the impact, uh, how will that impact the recovery? Right. Prices, uh, it's a dangerous game to play with the price, uh, especially with, um, for us here at Atlantis de Palm, you know, it, price integrity is very, very important throughout all situations. And I think certainly, um, you know, um, compromising the price is something that should certainly not be done and certainly focus on um, the opportunity with a lower occupancy, as I mentioned, of product enhancements, of colleague enhancements, uh, you know, enhancing the service within the resorts and the hotels. Um, that's certainly what something that we have focused on, our service philosophies, our human resources side, looking after our people, ensuring our colleagues are all well uh, during this entire time. Um, as we employ over 3,000 people here at Atlantis, the Palm Dubai. So I certainly think that keeping the price and being unique in the products that you're offering, Andre, I think that it's really important to ensure that the products remain um, unique. And, and we are quite fortunate at the resort to have unique products, but uh, I, I certainly don't think price should be unique. I contradicted your chart, Pedro. Is that something that you're going to show me? Something? <laughs> no, I think uh, so. What we're seeing here is that actually, you know, the pricing went uh, severely down at the beginning of the uh, for the stays at the beginning of the pandemic. Then it was sort of through through the lockdown, it was up and down because there were so little bookings that really a few bookings could make a big difference. And then through the summer, we've been trending lower uh, than obviously 2019, which is the, the blue light, uh, the blue line, uh, but uh, but not dramatically lower. I, I would say that's probably 10 to 15 percent lower than last year. So. So, I mean, yeah. that's that's normal also because think about it, right? Domestic travel typically has a lower ADR than than international travel. And there Correct. was a lot more domestic travel domestic travel this year. We saw an increase in a in so versus last year, domestic travel increased 40%. So the mix changed and therefore the ADR also went down. So uh, we don't see anything dramatic um, in terms of pricing. 
um, nothing unexpected. Both it, this is the European region, and then in the in the North America region, actually price has been trending very very close mm. to um, to last year. So thank God, I think hopefully I'm making the right decisions, which is you know don't drop price or the recovery is going to be so much harder, right? Because if you start devaluing the destination. Uh, it's it's gonna take years to come back from that, and and, yeah. and 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 we've seen that before in other in other crises, and hopefully people have learned their lessons. Yeah, I think Especially that because is... if there's no demand, right? When demand is low, what's the point of lowering the price? It's not right. gonna generate demand, right? Right. No, that's exactly right. That's a very good point. Okay, we have another question here for for Kip. You're very popular today, Kip, probably because you're <laughs> on the line. Um, question is, are you affected by all the virtual conferences that people are starting to get used to now? Being such a large resort, um, it's not only leisure guests that you have, you also have a, a conference element of your business. So is that something that is a concern as you uh, as we perhaps come out of COVID? Is that, is that another element that now is just something you need to focus on? It will always remain a key part of our business, of course. It's around 10, but for us, it's around 10% of our business. Um, uh, we have seen that due to the lockdown, due to the many regions and um, many uh, restrictions, there are a lot of events, both family events and social events that weren't happening, weren't able to happen during 2020, especially in the wedding segment. So what we have seen um, for us here at Lancaster Park is a huge increase in wedding inquiries for 2021. Um, we also have seen, as we are a large property, we are able to manage the physical distancing more effectively. So there are events of two, 300 people that will fit perfectly in a ballroom of 5,000 square meters. I think we certainly have advanced our technologies. That's one area we're looking at our technological advancements within our conference facilities. So it suits and fits the changing technological environment of the conferences, meetings uh, and events. Yeah. And I don't think incentives will be seen for a while, of course, because um, globally, um, you know, production and uh, sales were, were down. So uh, I think that won't be around for a while. But social mm -hmm. events and um, celebrations of, the, of what is permitted, of course, um, is, uh, is, is still there. Right, right. Uh, we've got a question. I don't from... Sorry, Please. let me just jump in here. I don't want to pitch and I don't want to pitch any any brands here or whatever. But at Great Hotels of the World, we've we've done a, a sort of a, a market research around you know uh, companies that help hotels uh, create virtual and hybrid events, right? Because I do believe that you know hybrid events are sort of the, the way of the future. Way forward, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 hotels even for even even if it's uh, you know a normal event, so to say. Technology is just going to start being a lot more part of it, and 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 I do think that there are plenty of suppliers out there that are specializing in this, that are partnering with the hospitality industry to make sure that you can put good offerings in place. Um, and and this is something you know. Um, the the good thing about the, sort of the, this downturn is you have time to think and you have time to explore and you have time to learn new things. So I would incentivize any hotelier on the on the line here to. To explore, you know, what are hybrid events? How can I use them? How can I leverage them to try? Maybe I don't bring the group of 500 people in, but maybe I'll bring the group of 50 people in. And maybe there's 50 people in Dubai and 50 people in Rome and 50 people in London, and they're, and they're all connected, right? 
And how do I, how can I be part of a network that enables me to do these hybrid events in different regions of the world? Because the FMB could be exactly the same, right? So the experience that you're providing, you know, you can, there, there's a lot of stuff. If people get creative and, and if people talk to each other and if they leverage the network effect that exists in, in hotels, um, we can certainly serve the same people with different experiences, but maybe overall we'll, we'll get to the same spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a question from Katrin Schmidt as well, which um, I'm not sure if we directly answered, but it's more about when do you see the meeting business returning as we perhaps knew it, if at all? So we're, we're starting. So we didn't have any group inquiries almost over the course of the summer. We're starting to see some, not a lot for October 21 and, and further out. So I do believe that, you know, the meeting business will come back. No doubt. I, there's no doubt in my mind that it will come back. Right. And uh, and virtual only gets you so far and people do, you know, want to have that personal experience and they do want to have the face to face. Um, but I would say late 2021, uh, if this vaccination program goes well and um, and and it's safe and so on, I think late 2021, we may start seeing some some meeting business come back. OK, great. Well, I think Katrin's got the right idea. She's <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> like, me too. I'm up for that. <laughs> okay excellent um well listen we are coming we're actually we've gone over time gentlemen um is there anything that you'd like to say in closing pedro and uh, kip before we uh, wrap up in closing i would only say that you know we started this call support because of the the need that we saw to share information and to get you know on one hand hard data from what we see in our systems but also soft data from where hotelier sentiment is um and 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 i would encourage people to you know share as much information with their peers as possible and obviously sign up for our pulse report and and, and answer the questions because uh, the, the report is only as good as the data that we put into it. So, um, well, thank you very much, Andre, for, for the opportunity. Absolutely. And where can people go, Pedro, if they want to sign up for that? They can go on our website. If they go to guestcentric.com, www.guestcentric.com, okay. and then there's, a, there's, there's messaging there that will take you to the Pulse report. Okay, brilliant. So all your hoteliers out there listening, please uh, do, do, do yourselves and everybody in the industry a favor and add data into that report because I think the more they get, the, the more uh, benefit it'll be for everybody. And Kip, thank you for, for, for being a part of this Absolutely. and representing the hotel industry uh, operation. Yeah. It's lovely, lovely to have the voice there and, and thank you. And uh, we wish you all the very best as well as you move into Christmas period and, and also into the new year and, and the new challenges that we're all facing. Indeed. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be, have been part of it. Thanks very, thank much. very much. Okay. All right, folks. Well, there you go. Um, thanks very much for joining us. We hope you found that uh, enlightening. We will be doing more of these. Uh, in fact, I think, Pedro, we're going to be adding this into a bit of a regular uh, scenario as the reports Would come out. To. We'll be bringing in some different people to also add commentary. So look forward to that. And uh, yeah, until next time, thanks for joining us. It's bye for now. <laughs>